Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Love Father's Day. Love the men of this church because you men are making a difference are doing incredible things, and we were privileged to hear from a missionary uh, this morning. Today I want to talk to you uh, about influence. I want to talk to you, uh, specifically title this uh, message, Left in the Boat. Now, I was informed earlier in service that, did you know this is also National Fishing Day? Like, you get it? Like, guys like to fish, dads like to fish. But man, I love seeing all these dads out here saying, like, I'm going to make Jesus the leader of my life, and I'm going to model that example by showing up to church. So, come on, let's give it up for dads. There we go. Men, thank you so much for being with us. Well, hey, let's dive in. This is what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. He kicks it off with this to, uh, a saying to his uh, followers. Matthew 5, 13. You can follow along. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. The idea of what Jesus was saying right there is that a follower of what and who he is calling is someone that adds flavor in the community. Someone that when, that when they're added to the mix, people recognize it. I don't know about you, but if you've ever been to McDonald's and they, they have those fries, right? Here's a little like hack that I learned growing up. My father would always order McDonald's french fries and say, no salt. And I was like, that's interesting. He's like, it makes them make the french fries right now. And then he asks for salt and then he cakes the thing with salt. See, the, the thing when it comes to be a follower of Jesus is that we're supposed to make a difference within the community. We're supposed to be salty. We're supposed to add that, oh man, I taste that salt. See, the idea behind what Jesus is saying is that your influence matters. Your influence is what we as followers, his disciples who he's speaking to, that is going to make a difference. And when you no longer make a difference, when you're no longer salty, when you no longer are someone that draws out the flavor, adds input, or, or makes the perfect sear, or gives the good taste, then we're worthless. See, church, we live in a time now more than ever that we need to add a little bit of our taste, our flavor into a community that is far, far away from God. We see it on the news, if you're right, if you're left, if you're somewhere in between, that there's a lot of distractions, a lot of hurts, a lot of pains, a lot of missteps taking place. And really the call of it behind it is, hey, are we making a, a difference, Scripture says? Not that we are conforming, but are we adding to the flavor, making things better in our community? That we're not just keeping in these four walls and, and going through the motions? But are we actually being someone that is contributing? Today I want to talk to you about this big idea, and you can write it down. We believe here if we read, write, and recite, we're better to retain our information. But it's simply this, your influence has impact. 
your influence has impact. If you know it or not, if you're a dad in the room, mom in the room, aunt, uncle, grandparent, if you have a relationship with anybody, friend, spouse, coworker, you have influence. You have influence. How are you going to use that influence? Influence is simply defined as this because this is the best definition I found on Google. Uh, in fact, is the very first thing that I found on Google, so that's how good it is. The capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone or something, or the effect itself. So the question is, are you influencing someone? And if you're influencing, is it for the good or is it for the worse? A constant question we have to ask ourselves is, how is my influence being poured out into my community, into my neighbors, into my coworkers? We see this story in Mark chapter 1. There's this individual, he's mentioned in all the Gospels. We don't know much about him. But we know he was a man that had such great influence that he lasted and made a lasting legacy. So join me, Mark chapter 1. We're going to see this, this, I guess, special or very popular story. It's the calling of the first disciples. Now, if you've been with church with us for some time, you're very familiar with this. Like, you get it. You're like, how many times do I have to hear about the calling of the first disciples? Well, it's important that we illustrate the influence that this one man has that impacted the future and cultivated the heart of those he had influence with. So Mark chapter 1, we see right here, Jesus calls the first disciples. Passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets, followed him, and going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and he left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Now, a lot of times when we look at this scripture, when we look, we, we focus on the four individuals who are called. Simon, who's known as Peter, Andrew, James, and John. But the man that I want to talk about today is his name, Zebedee, the, the father that had influence. See, there's a lot of times when we look at the story of Scripture, we highlight these huge characters, the people that we hear about, people that are very popular. A lot of us in this room, room probably have heard about Jesus, heard about the Apostle Paul, heard about Moses and Noah. But one guy we don't really highlight much, but had an impact, an influence, was this man by the name of Zebedee. Now, let me just put a little context to where we find the Jesus narrative. Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist. He's in the river of Jordan, comes up, heavens rip open, and the Holy Spirit descends. Jesus begins his ministry. He's healing people from sun up to sun down, and it's, um, uh, demons are being cast aside. His preaching, his teaching, his authority are being spread all throughout the region of Galilee. And this man that had influence listened to him. And because he had that influence, lives were changed. 
So today I want to talk to you about how to use your influence in the right way. And we personalized it in your notes. If you're following along, maybe digitally, or maybe you got the handout when you came in, we wrote this line that says, who under it. Whenever we're talking about Scripture, whenever we're looking at God's Word, we don't want to just say, hey, this is just a lot of words that are coming out, but we want to personalize it for the audience. So whenever we're marching through, we want to ask you, who does this apply to? In your life, when you have influence, who comes to mind? So today I want to talk to you about how to use your influence. I want to give you four observations. The first one is this. We need to inspire others with my passion. Inspire others with my passion. Who do you need to inspire with your passion? Now check this out. We learned probably the coolest nickname about these individuals. We find this over in Mark chapter 3. They're known as the sons of thunder. So Zebedee's sons are sons of thunder. I mean, you think about that, that's, that's a pretty awesome nickname. I'm like, what kind of name can my children have because of who I am, right? I'm like, man, maybe they can be like sons of lightning. No, I'm pretty slow when, it, when I run. You know, like maybe I can be like, what can I orchestrate? Think about that. Like they're known as sons of thunder. And, and like, you, you mean you talk about Thor, Pastor Blake? No, there's no Thor here. These dudes are the sons of thunder. Now we have no understanding of why they're known as the sons of thunder other than Jesus called them that. Jesus gave them that nickname. That's pretty awesome. Talk about being passionate. So then if we look at it face value and we say these guys are known as the sons of thunder, Jesus calls them that. Who's the thunder? Man, is that, is that Zebedee? That means Zebedee's maybe loud. He's boisterous. When he roars, you hear him coming. His influence is like, wow, that's that kind of influential man. He raises these men to be zealous, passionate individuals. And Jesus, when he has this encounter, he understands and he knows men's heart. In John chapter 2, we see this. He says, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many in his name, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. When Jesus saw someone, he saw their heart and needed no one to bear witness about men, for he himself knew what was in man. See, it's no coincidence that Jesus saw these individuals and says, man, there's something special about them. They're sons of thunder. They're passionate. They're boisterous. They care. You look at Jesus' inner circle. There's three men that compose of it. There's Simon, who is one of the first call that we see in the story, who's in a partnership with Zebedee and company. So we see Simon, also known as Peter. Then we see James and John. Those three men form Jesus's inner circle. Now, here's some things that we have to unpack here. When uh, Peter is uh, confronted by the soldiers and he's with the, the group and Jesus is being arrested, Peter takes his sword out and he cuts that soldier's ear off. I mean, talk about a passionate, overzealous individual. Jesus goes on and he rebukes him. And he says, whoa, 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 
calm it down. But then we look at this other story of James and John. These guys, they're just as passionate. Jesus was trying to make his way to Jerusalem and comes to this Samaritan village and the Samaritans and the Jews didn't get along and so they don't let Jesus go into the village. And this is their response, James and John. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Again, Jesus is like, sons of thunder, chill a little bit. Man, I, I, I love passionate people because passion rubs off. Your passion for what you do, your craft, your work, your family, your friends, it rubs off on people. No matter what you pursue, no matter what you're maybe just um, anxious to do and what you love, people can't help but notice. My wife, if you've been with us for some time, you, you know that she's an avid thrifter, okay? I, I never quite understood people why they like to thrift for the sake of waking up on your day off and going to the garage sale or going to the thrift store. I'm like, why? This one day she comes home with some books and this kind of interesting trinket. I'm like, that's interesting. She's like, yeah, I'm going to post it online. I'm going to see if I can sell it. She comes back out 15 minutes later. She's like, yeah, so I sold this item for about $50, $60, and then I sold these books that I bought for $0.50 cents for about $30. And I'm like, what? Who's buying these kind of books? I'm like, that's cool, Britt. So then the next weekend comes by, and uh, she's like, like, what do you want to do? I said, why don't we get up and we go thrifting? <laughs> Like, let's see if we can go make some more money, right? Because her passion for something that I'm not even necessarily interested in rubbed off in my life. So the question you've got to ask yourself, your passion inspires others, so what are you passionate about? Like, if you're passionate about being able to quote every movie, that's pretty awesome, that's a pretty cool gift. But is it beneficial? If you're passionate about work, if you're passionate about your family, if you're passionate about those in your life, know that it inspires people. Zebedee was a passionate man. We, we know this because Jesus saw these individuals and says, they are sons of thunder, sons of passion, sons of, man, when they roared, they came in, they were audacious, they were individuals that were saying, hey, let's get stuff done. I don't know if you've ever been with anybody that's like, hey, how's things going? Oh, they're good, Pastor Blake. You know, they're good. I'm like, you know, Jesus didn't put those guys in the inner circle. Jesus looked for people that said, hey, let's go with a punch. Let's have some enthusiasm. Let's enjoy life. It's essential to when we come to following Jesus that when we're passionate about whatever we do, whatever God's called us to do, because people notice what we care about. People notice it. We need to be expressive in those areas. Number two, when it comes to our influences, this, we need to use our work ethic to set an example to others. Use our work ethic to set an example to others. Who do you need to set that example with in your life? Notice when Jesus called these disciples, they weren't sitting at mom's house watching a movie. What were they doing? 
Mark 1, verse 19 says this. And going on a little further, he saw James and the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending, repairing the nets. These men were working. Zebedee poured work into their life. Notice here, if you're a father in this place, I learned because I had a great stature of a man as a father. I'm very blessed, very privileged. I wish every child had what I had growing up. I mean, I remember seeing my dad waking up, you know, Saturday mornings at 6 a.m. We grew up in Missouri, and he'd be out there raking the leaves. He would be out there mowing the lawn. He would be out there going through things, and he'd be working and working when time and opportunity allowed itself. But then he didn't just stop there. He brought me alongside. Like, I remember, man, Dad, all my friends get to sleep in. Why can't I sleep in? He's like, you're not all your friends. I'm like, rare, you know? Like, <laughs> the point is this. Zebedee is saying, hey, there's a work ethic that has to be established. Yeah. See, whenever come and follow in Jesus, know that Jesus is calling you into a life of work. You got to work with your marriages. You got to work with your friends. You got to work with your bosses. It's this life of understanding of, man, I got to work, I got to invest, I got to pour myself out. I need to work, recharge, work, recharge. Jesus would work, and then you'd go pray. Jesus would work, and then you'd go pray. If you're working in life, and you're not praying in life, you're going to run out of gas real quick. Like, it's this idea of constant repetitions. The Apostle Paul, he puts it this way. He says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. Our work ethic is setting the example. And some of you might be in this place saying, well, Pastor Blake, I'm, I'm retired. But it doesn't mean you can't work to form a relationship with your neighbor. It doesn't mean you can't work to serve at your church doesn't mean you can't work to volunteer at very many nonprofits around here. There's always an opportunity for us to set an example for those who we influence in our life. I want to challenge you with this. How's that work ethic coming? Is it, hey, I'm working and then I'm receiving from the Lord, I'm praying. I'm saying, hey, I'm going to work, I'm going to give it at all, but I'm also going to do it in a healthy manner. That's how Jesus modeled it. That's how Zebedee modeled it. Zebedee modeled it. He poured into his son's lives. And notice this, as a father, one, high, one point that just highlighted to me when I was reading this text, prepping this week, is, you know, a lot of times as fathers, we're kind of cultivated to, to protect. At all costs, we protect our family. But notice what the boys were doing right here when they were called by Jesus. They were fixing the net. Sometimes as a father, we got to let our children go through a situation in order to teach them how to fix that situation. It's a fascinating little detail in Scripture. Number three, how we use our influence is this. We need to listen and receive so I'm able to pour into others. Now, we can see here that Jesus in the context of Scripture is almost at a celebrity mindset. Scripture says in Luke 4, 37, I believe, where that, not, that everybody in that surrounding region of Galilee knew or had some idea of Jesus and 
his celebrity, his popularity. He comes in the temple and he preaches and he teaches and he says with authority, people are being wowed, people are being healed, miraculous miracles are happening. So we can infer this, that Zebedee, this, this affluent businessman in the community, who probably caught a certain kind of fish, who probably sold to a certain kind of clientele, was someone that when Jesus spoke, he listened, he received. More than often, not many biblical scholars believe that in that region, Zebedee probably listened to Jesus at the temple, probably caught wind of it, and so he started to, to receive what Jesus was speaking. He was almost setting up his family to receive and support Jesus. It's fascinating. In Matthew 27, 55, we see this evidence because this is where we highlight Zebedee's wife. There were also women looking on from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, the younger and son of Joseph, and Salome, Zebedee's wife. That whenever Jesus was going through this region, this support system that was crafted, Zebedee's wife was there. She was one contributing. She was helping source the ministry. See, it's fascinating because in the first century, women didn't have rights. We've gone a long way in society. But really what would happen, whatever the patriarch, uh, it would be a patriarchal home, whatever the man said, the family abided by. And if that wasn't the case, then the family was in, in, in a lot of disarray. And so what happens is whenever we see that this Salome, Zebedee's wife, is that she is a follower of Jesus, that she's supporting this ministry, the Zebedee probably more than life says, hey, family, we better be dialed in because there's this man, Jesus, I'm telling you there's something different about him. See, they're, they're ready for Jesus. They're hearing about Jesus. They're talking about Jesus in the home. So when the encounter came, they were ready. Zebedee was poured into. He received the teaching. And then he poured that into his family. And we even see in 2755 of the book of Matthew that there's some ladies who are at the crucifixion. There were also many women there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, probably keeping his spirits up, trying to help him out. And there were also many, and among them were Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James, and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee, Salome. She was there. She was there. We have to be able to listen and receive and able to pour in to others. Look in Mark chapter 1, verse 20. We see this word, and he called them. It's this Greek, call el, meaning there's this divine vocational call on their life. So when this call comes, they were ready to receive. Mark 1, 20, and immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the, in the boat with the hired servants, and they followed him. See, a lot of times in our lives, if we're not learning how to receive, learning how to listen, we can miss the call on our life. So what's God calling you to do? What's God call asking you to do? Maybe it's 
law, maybe it's law enforcement, maybe it's in the medical field. God's designed you for a specific call. God's designed you to receive, to listen, so you can pour out into someone, so that you can help your children grow up, so that you can help your neighbors, so that you can help and be kind to those in your communities. There's always a focus when it comes to this idea of a call. See, God calls Jesus in Matthew 2, 15 to put him on his mission to minister to the world. Jesus called sinners, this idea to to repent. And in other words, whenever you're called, there's this turning back. Right here, whenever these men are called, there's no going back to catching fish. There's There's moving forward to catching men, catching people. We have to be able to receive. It's this fundamental approach to listen. Our influence goes a long way when we can listen and receive from others. Number four for us this morning is this, and our final observation when it comes to this man by the name of Zebedee is this. We need to release others when the time comes. Release others when the time comes. Let me highlight Mark chapter 1, verse 20 one more time on the second half. And immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat and with the hired servants and they followed him. You know, in all the accounts of the disciples being called, they didn't, Zebedee didn't go, oh no, no, don't leave boys, don't leave, stay here. They were saying, hey, you're, he, he wasn't there with his arms crossed, doubting Jesus, doubt, doubting the call. What he was saying is, hey, you fellows go, don't worry about the family business, I got you. I've been in student ministry uh, prior to this several years back, and, and I loved it, and I've seen so many different things. In fact, what I loved this past week, our students went to youth summer camp. It was an awesome experience. There was over 16 students, okay, that got baptized, wow. went public with their faith. That's awesome, church. That's awesome. I mean, when Pastor Chris, he's making a highlight video, he shot it to me, I'm like, man, my heart was beating out of my chest. That's so cool. So cool. As a pastor, you get fired up for some of those things. On the other side of it, there's been moments when I've had encounters with parents where a student is feeling a call of God on their life, a a, a call in a certain direction that the parents didn't necessarily approve of. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that parents, you shouldn't have a say into your child's life. You should. Fundamentally, I believe that through and through. But what can happen very easily to a parent is that we have the plan mapped out for our students, mapped out for our child. God's calling them to something else. And you've vetted and you've gone through the whole situation. You're like, nope, that's not good enough. You don't make enough money. You don't do this. That's not my plan for your life. When really we should be asking ourselves, saying, hey, what's God's plan for your life? How can I cultivate you to be what God's called you to be? I remember this particular day, and I didn't say this first service. It's Father's Day. Um, I was in Missouri, and I was going away uh, for my internship. Never really been away from home. I was gone for about three and a half months. Ends up being a a very hard year for me after this internship. And I remember sitting on the driveway, like a a young guy, 21 years of age, getting in my Jeep, and I would never buy a Jeep again in my life. And I remember driving, 
And I remember pulling out of the driveway, instantly thinking, like my parents are like, hey, God's called you to do this ministry thing. You need to go, Blake. So they let a 21-year-old guy, as immature as they probably are, go and pursue what God's called him to pursue. They sat there, they smiled, they waved. Then we fast forward some years later. And anytime there are certain distinct moments in my life, I never saw my parents worry in the sense of they, they put that, that grief on me. Oh, Blake, this isn't a good decision for you. They didn't let me carry that burden. I come to find out, I talk to my parents when you start learning, like you have kids and you're like, man, my parents are genius. Like, who would ever thought? And I remember thinking, it was like, oh, Blake, mom cried a lot when you were going through your your growth stages. But you know, I, I never really remember my mom really crying. Like she would cry like, hey, bye, see you later. But she would never just lord that on me and say, oh, Blake, you should never do something like this. In fact, my parents were very, hey, you go pursue what God's called you to do. Now I'm not saying everybody takes my journey and enters in ministry, but, but parents, maybe that field that you're thinking your kid's gonna go into isn't the field that God's calling them to go into. But on the flip end, students, I would take advice. Like I always went to my folks and said, hey, what do you guys think? This is the opportunity. Like that's crazy. That sounds cool. Go do it. So this moment in our life with people that we influence and have impact on. We can say, hey, I'm going to encourage you to go do that. I'm, I see your gift set and I want to help you achieve that gift set. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe you speak life into your friend and say, hey, go do that. That might mean your friend moves away. That might mean there's a different change of hanging out patterns. Maybe you're a parent in this place and your kid's trying to figure out what to do, what next steps. See Zebedee sitting in that boat. It's probably like, hey, I've prepped my heart. I've cultivated my sons. So when Jesus comes, they're going to be passionate. They're going to have a work ethic. They're going to be those individuals that inspire people. They're going to listen. They're going to receive. And I'm going to release them to go do what God's called them to do. Wherever you're at in this place, know your influence has an impact. Your influence can breathe life into somebody or it can take it away. How are you going to use that influence? So today I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you're new in this place and you haven't started a relationship with Jesus. The greatest influence in my life is my relationship with Jesus. If you want to do that, scripture talks about this process once we believe that Jesus died on the cross and atoned for our sins and that God raised him three days later from the grave, defeating death, defeating sin, then we are saved. That's the starting point. And then Jesus takes us on a journey and he irons some questions and some doubt in our life. And the more we grow into him, the more he releases us to go and be the hands and feet of who he is in our community that are in desperate need of the church's influence. So no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, and if you haven't started, I can't stress it enough and can't ask more than enough. The greatest influence who can be in your life is Jesus.
Start a relationship with him. Fill out a communication card. We would love to help you along your faith journey. Maybe you're in this place right now. Maybe you forgot that you have an influence. My question to you today is this. How are you using that influence? Are you building? Are you encouraging? Are you speaking life? Are you impacting those around you? So let me tell you, church, our God is good, our God cares, and our God loves us. And it's all modeled by Jesus. So I'm gonna ask you, wherever you're at, let's go ahead and let's pray together if you'll bow your heads. Lord, we call in your name right now and we just say thank you. Thank you for ministering to our hearts. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to look at this individual whose name is Zebedee and he's found throughout your word. May we have that influence the way he did. Lord, we call on your name and we know there are those who are in here who, who need your influence on their life. We pray right now that you start a real vibrant relationship in their hearts, that they take the next steps, that they lead in boldness, that they say, hey, they're not just gonna stay in the seats, but they're gonna step out in faith, Lord. We pray specifically for those making a decision to follow you right now. And Lord, we also lift up those in this place who are looking and who are receiving and who are saying, hey, I'm gonna use my influence for the better and not the worse. God, lead us today. Guide us today. In your great and holy name, we all say. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.